Before we get into the substance of this podcast, I want to advise you that you need to go to Amazon and buy my new book, which is titled Everything That Lives and Moves. That's where I've been and why I've been remiss in my podcast blathering. I've been finishing my book. Writing is hard work, and I am monodimensional, ergo a pause in podcasting. I really want you to read it, so I'm practically giving the digital version away because nobody makes money from books anyway. Amazon won't let me give it away. I really would. Um, They insist that I sell it for 99 cents. If you can't afford it, let me know and I'll send you a copy. Then I will find you at Starbucks and spill your latte on your lap. Because you could have bought 4.5 of them for the amount of money you just wasted on your designer coffee while you pissed and moaned about how expensive things were. I'll make you this promise, and I'm very serious about this. If it isn't the best book you have ever read, and if it doesn't inspire you to change your life and the lives of everyone you care about, let me know. And I'll tell you to read it again, because obviously you did something wrong. I'll include a link in the description of this podcast. It has a really cool video trailer. Watch it, buy it, read it. Get it for your friends. The paperback version will make a great stocking stuffer next year. Speaking of stocking stuffers, today's subject is Santa Claus. I'll get to him in a minute. You know how the same people who believe in QAnon, the great election steal, and the flat earth also believe there is a conspiracy to take Christ out of Christmas? Well, it turns out there is a conspiracy they missed. There are those of us who are out to kill Santa Claus. I am their leader. Before we kill him, I'm hoping he brings me a new Callaway Paradigm driver. A friend told me he was hitting 300-yard extra straight drives with it. This is not a guy who's prone to hyperbole. I'm going to buy one just in case Santa has me on his shit list. They cost $600. I'm going to buy one even though reason leads me to believe that nothing will give me 300-yard drives. Because, Because I need to believe that something can. If you understand that thought process, you now know everything you need to know about QAnon, MAGA, the folks who believe Donald Trump gives a shit about them, Santa Claus, Bigfoot, and the Jewish space laser conspiracy. It's that goddamn simple. People believe crazy shit because they want to. They want to because they need to. Something is missing in their lives. I went to Greece not too long ago. Don't worry, I'll get back to killing Santa. And the trip got me to think about and reread my old friend Socrates, one of the greatest teachers philosophers who ever lived. Socrates was one of the first natural philosophers. That's to say he believed in natural explanations for all things that happened on earth. He rejected what we would call today the supernatural a word that if you stop and think about it makes no sense. 
supernatural is exactly like extra straight. Socrates once said that Zeus, the Greek king of the gods, did not exist. To which his fellow Athenian said, wait, what? And promptly sentenced him to death. The charge was impiety and corrupting the youth of Athens. Think what they might have done to Kim Kardashian. I occasionally ask my pious friends why they do not believe in Zeus. I don't threaten them with death or anything, or bring up the fate of Socrates, but they look at me like I am daft. What a stupid question. Nobody believes in those silly gods invented by ancient peoples more than 2,000 years ago. Well, almost nobody. The stories about Zeus are patently ridiculous. One of them tells that the king of the gods once mated with a woman who bore him a son named Hercules, a sort of half-man, half-god who later rose to the heavens and became a god himself. How childish and stupid is that story? How could anybody believe that nonsense? By the way, there are lots of old stories about gods having their way with earthly women and producing half-gods, half-men who went on to become gods. I've always thought it would be interesting to have a plagiarism trial where the writer of the old stories about gods sue the writers about the newer stories for stealing their ideas. Zeus, by the way, was always depicted as an older man with a beard. He looked a lot like the guy on the roof of the Sistine Chapel. But getting back to my imitation of Socratic inquiry with my pious friends, asking questions really is the best way to get people thinking about things. Anyway, it turns out that the best answer to my question as to why they do not believe in Zeus or Hercules is that they believe in the real God who somehow impregnated a woman, produced a son, and during his days on earth was sort of half-god-like Hercules, and you know where this is going. He became a god. The second story makes much more sense to them. It's believable. The Zeus-Hercules story is a silly fable. And to think that Socrates' fellow citizens condemned him to death by teaching that a fable was a fable and that there was no good reason to believe in it? I mean, what a primitive bunch of ignorant imbeciles. After all, this was more than 2,000 years ago before we understood about things like gravity and cell phone data usage and death. Today, my pious friends believe that people who do not believe or those who have no idea whether to believe or not, so as to be included in the ranks of non-believers, because not being sure that something is true or not means that your confusion is tantamount to not believing, which is just as bad as not believing that all those people are simply misguided. Now, most of the believers today, the true believers like Marjorie Taylor Greene, wouldn't advocate putting non-believers to death for their impiety 
we're modern and civilized. We believe in freedom of thought and speech. Instead, these people believe that the right thing to do is that these non-believers should be burned for all eternity after they die in an underground fire pit designed by the guy who their God propagated by a relationship with a woman who was a virgin. Yes, we've come a long way. This punishment was described in full gory detail by a guy who had been exiled on a tiny island off the coast of Greece called Patmos. His name was John of Patmos. In all likelihood, he went insane and began to have strange visions and hallucinations. In the old days, such men were called saints. Today, we call them schizophrenics. In addition to having seen non-believers roasting in a lake of fire, John also saw Jesus dressed in a spiffy red robe that had been dipped in blood with a sword coming out of his mouth. I'm not making this up. It's in Revelation. Go read it. I don't think John was making it up either. I think he thought he saw it. I think he was simply batshit crazy. So, I might add, did President Thomas Jefferson, who called Revelation the rantings of a madman. Now, all this musing about Zeus and the Christian gods got me thinking about Santa Claus. It would be entirely appropriate at this point for you to say, wait, what? Santa Claus. The Santa Claus song, by the way, is the greatest single complete exposition of the idea of God ever recorded. If you want to really understand the notion of God, regardless of which flavor you like, you, you need to look no further than this wonderful and catchy little tune written by one James Lamont Gillespie, a lifelong alcoholic who did his best work while completely trashed. But before we get into a theological analysis of the Santa Claus song, I should spend a minute or two chatting about whether or not there is more evidence supporting the existence of Santa Claus than there is for the existence of either Zeus or God who impregnated Mary. Here, here's a summary of the evidence for the existence of those guys. It says so in some old books and oral histories. That's it. That's all there is. Santa, on the other hand, is real. I've seen him. Everyone has seen him. Everyone describes him the same way. A fat guy in an ill-fitting, ridiculous red suit and matching stocking cap with a white 1970s leisure belt. So it turns out there is much more hard evidence to prove the existence of Santa Claus than there is to prove the existence of any of the gods, including the biggest god of all. Gods are, after all, invisible. Santa is a fat guy in a red suit who we've all seen numerous times. In addition to eyewitness accounts and lots of news footage, there are the rewards he leaves for good behavior we see under the tree. I could go on, but I think you get the point. Unless you are an election-denying Trumper. There's a mountain of evidence and reliable eyewitness accounts proving the existence of Santa. 
and none proving the existence of God or Zeus the God. Because fables in old books are not admissible as evidence unless you're in a plagiarism trial or something. But once again, I've sidetracked myself. The subject of this lecture is the Santa Claus song, actually, and what it teaches us about the gods. It's worth spending a couple of minutes on. The very first line tells you what the idea of God is all about, the driving force behind all of Western religion. Newsflash, it isn't love. Here's how it starts out. You better watch out. This opening line tells us the origin of the phrase God-fearing. It says, you better watch out. In other words, whatever you do, do not piss God off. He's a very scary dude. Then it goes on. You better not cry. You better not pout. I'm telling you why. Santa Claus is coming to town. In other words, to your town. And he's making a list. He's checking it twice. He's going to find out who's naughty and nice. The list. When I was a kid, we were told that every September on the high holiday of Yom Kippur, our Santa, a.k.a. God, made just such lists. He was said to literally make two lists every year. One list was called the Book of Life, and the other list was called the Book of Death. Depending upon your behavior the previous year, your name went in one list or the other. One could never be sure exactly how naughty or nice one had to be to be put in one book or the other. But I will tell you there were many years when I would sweat it out, especially after I learned the relationship between the right hand and a stiffy. You see, kids are taught that God knows and sees all. He is watching. He never stops watching. This is the most important teaching in every religion, and it could not have been said better than Mr. Gillespie said it in the Santa Claus song. He sees when you are sleeping. He sees when you're awake. He knows if you've been bad or good. Yeah. So, there is an invisible and all-powerful guy watching you. If you are good, there will be presence under the tree. If you are bad, well, then you better watch out. God, in a nutshell, fear him. Fear him all the time or there will be consequences. Fear him because he is watching. A fat, scary-looking guy in a red suit. No wonder most kids cry and scream when their parents abandon them onto the fat guy's lap at the mall. If you've surmised that I am somewhat disgusted by the ideas set forth in the Santa Claus song, you are correct. And you are wrong. You see, Mr. Gillespie nailed it perfectly. There's one line that unintentionally rejects the idea that we should cower in fear and behave for the sake of rewards. It's the last line in the fifth stanza. He sees when you are sleeping. 
He sees when you're awake. He knows if you've been bad or good, so be good for goodness sake. That's the line we should teach our children to take away from the Santa song. Doing the right thing isn't about rewards under the tree and punishments. Don't do the right thing because you're afraid not to or because you want to find a PlayStation under the tree. Be good for goodness sake. It's that simple. The cheese stands alone. The rest of it, pleasing the invisible man in the sky, represents thousands of years of fundraising for people who are otherwise unemployable. Prosperity gospel, in a nutshell. These were the people who orchestrated the trial and death of Socrates, one of the greatest teachers in the history of mankind. So the answer about who would win a fight between Santa Claus and Socrates turns out to be, I'm not sure. Socrates lost. You see, the Santa hordes that fight each other in Walmart for the latest version of Mortal Kombat killed him. Which is why you should read my new book, Everything That Lives and Moves. Then you should move on to my other books. The first thing we do is kill all the isms, critical thinking in the age of ideology and religiosity. The beast in the light in the Garden of Eden, making sense of Genesis and animal suffering. Ordinary beasts, hunting and cultural psychopathy. And of course, Donald Trump is president of the United States. Are you shitting me? All of these books are available for a pittance at Amazon.com. And you have my word that any money that I do make from the sale of these books will go to purchase the new Paradigm Driver by Callaway. Have a good day.